no, God, no, 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 please, guys, we we were we were just joking. No, no, is it too is it too late to turn around? Can we just end this right now, please, please, anyone, please, please, <laughs> guys? Welcome to the messed up at midnight podcast, the show that is just absolutely not all right, all right, all right. I'm your host Max Steele, and as always, I'm joined by the man who is going through this journey with me. For better or for worse, I am joined by Michael Flaherty. Mike, I, what's up? Oh, uh, every everything is not all right, all right, all right. Everything is quite bad, actually. It's this is. I I really hope that this is the low point. I truly do because, God, God, God help us. So, so um if you couldn't tell by the title of this podcast, we are talking we are still going through Texas Chainsaw Massacre Month, the messed up at midnight double feature extravaganza. Woo. And we are on, we've gone through the classic. We've gone through the sequel that diehard fans need to see. We got through the third one. And now we are at Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation. Mike, what what are your thoughts? <laughs> this okay, okay. So this movie, this movie was. <laughs> I just this movie stunk. It really, it really sucked. Like I wish, I, like I can't find like with with number three. I could we could sit there and go, hey, Ken Foray's in this, and like, oh, that's kind of cool. Or like, I guess I can understand where they're going with this, but like, nope. This is, it's, it's got, it has all of the wrong things that it didn't need. Mm-hmm. It's got, it's got the stiffest acting I have seen in a long ass time. It has got some, it has got a, it has got a like subplot that they don't address where the, where the new family works for an, works for a, underground corporation that's responsible for the death of john f kennedy like it's there is there's too much to this man there is actually too much to this this is that's what i thought well i want to i want to i want to talk about something and i feel like this movie and the last one can really do a good job of explaining that so like with the third movie it wasn't good but like the bad stuff wasn't like it was the bad stuff was just kind of bad and the good stuff was fine. You know, the the mm-hmm. gap between like the good and the bad wasn't really that massive. So then when you come to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation, the only like fine thing in this and by fine, I mean, hey, I was entertained was Matthew McConaughey. Like every time he was on screen, I was entertained. But every but other than that, everything else about this movie just sucked. Like it was not good. <laughs> it was I I swear, like this was not Matthew McConaughey's best work. Not even close. Not even by a shadow of a fucking mile. But like 
oh my god, he actually was the only serviceable parts in this. Mm-hmm. He actually was. Like, honest to God. Like, I would have expected, and this is this is where my like slight disappointment comes in. Renee Zellweger is actually quite the talented actress. She is. She's mm-hmm. starred in some good stuff. Which is why I was all the more disappointed in her performance, because what the hell happened? She plays well, she plays the main protagonist and she just Ugh It's just not good. It's just not good. Well, I wanna point something out because of this movie, The Next Generation, it was originally released in nineteen ninety-five. But it was actually re-released in 1997 and you'll you might hear some people talk about this as texas chainsaw massacre the next generation or the return of the texas chainsaw massacre but the 1997 version was released as the next generation and the reason for that is because of what came out in 1996 so i don't know if you know this mike but a little a little film called jerry Maguire came out in 1996 and another film came out called a time to kill which featured matthew mcconaughey and renee zellweger was in jerry Maguire. so i couldn't confirm this but i remember seeing you know on like the wikipedias and all that and imdbs saying that that their mcconaughey and zellweger's agents we're trying like to not get this movie released as it would be in quotations exploitation. Yeah, I can understand why they wouldn't want this released because these people were riding a high mm-hmm. from like doing Jerry Maguire, which is awesome. And then mm-hmm. a time to kill, which I haven't seen, but you know, I've heard good things about it. Mm-hmm. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, this would absolutely, this would do a talk about, talk about, ruining the momentum like these people are already moving forward matthew mcconaughey's got a time to kill he's got dazed and confused he's moving and he's moving up renee zellweger did jerry Maguire, and and she's moving up as well like to release something like fucking this again a year later when they're when they're when they're still hot that is like it's like sitting there just going like just finding some really like schlocky b-rate movie that zendaya was in when she was in like high school that just sucked and just re-releasing just going and just having a big fucking hollywood letter zendaya is in this like it's that same energy you're like why what why It turns out she's not even like the main character she's just like some extra that's in the background the movie's like hey zendaya's in this yeah, she's in there for like 15 minutes. She's, she has one conversation with the protagonist and continues moving. And and it's it's that same thing. You're like, you're like, oh, oh, yeah, fuck this. Fuck this. Now, I had heard a story from uh, McConaughey. Now, Days and Confuse had come out. McConaughey had already been in that movie. He just graduated college and was like, okay, I'm going to head out. I'm going to pack up my U-Haul. I'm going to head out to California. We continue doing this acting thing. Now, he had auditioned for a bit part as like a motorcyclist, like comes into frame, picks Zellweger up, and then they drive off. That's the part he auditioned for. 
but the director, uh, Kim Henkel, who is actually the the other writer for the OG Texas Chainsaw movie, and he mm. is directing this. So Henkel asked McConaughey, was like, hey, do, um, do you know anybody that would be able to play uh, Vilmer, this film's main antagonist? And McConaughey said no. And, you know, he rec- well, he recommended some people, but then he started leaving. Now, as McConaughey was about to leave, he was thinking about it. He was like, well, wait a second. He turned around. He went back in, spoke to Hankel, said, hey, I-, I can audition for this. I'll audition for it. And Hankel was surprised. He was like, oh, uh, okay, well, we don't have any of the actresses here. And they, you know, Hankel went to go speak to his secretary and say, hey, can, uh, can, can you come in here for a second, please? Can you act as like um, the actress in this scene? And, uh, McConaughey got a spoon and pretended it was a knife and his job was to scare the secretary. <laughs> and that's how he got the job as Vilmer. That's see, that's, you know what? You know what? As that, that is a great story. It would be even greater if the movie was good. Yeah. Like it is, it is, it is actually great that McConaughey sat there and was like able to sit there and just land this role purely off the fact that he was able to really switch on the freaky part. Mm-hmm. But it still doesn't detract from the fact that this movie is so poorly shot together that it's kind of like that McConaughey being in this movie really is just like, it's like, it's like, it's like a, it's like, it's like a shiny part of like a turd. Like you're like this, you're like it still sucks. It's still awful. It's still terrible. Yes, there's this one bit that has a glint to it. Everything else, my God, get it out of got out of my face. Well, you had mentioned um, that how the movie was shoddily put together, and that reminds me of something Renee Zellweger said because she described the production of this movie as kamikaze filmmaking due to the low budget. Here, here are some of the quotes that she said. Let me just pull those up real quick. Uh, she said. It was very low budget. We um, So we all shared a tiny Winnebago that the producer of the film, it belonged to him, was his personal camper. So they had like makeup in the front seats and there was a table in the middle for hair. There was a tiny little curtain by the bathroom. That's where she was like putting on her prom dress and her flowers. It was absolutely ridiculous. How he pulled that off, I have no idea. And these are, remember, these are Renee Zellweger's words. I'm sure none of it was legal. Anything we did was a little bit dangerous, but what an experience. It was kamikaze filmmaking. See, that is... See, okay, all right, all right. Now, this is the one thing that I will give this movie before I tear it subsequently to bits. I am mm-hmm. someone who is vehemently for low-budget kamikaze filmmaking, as, oh, as Renee Zellweger puts it. Dude, it 100%. Is, it hell is, yeah. It is so raw. It's so real, and it is the most... It is probably filmmaking at its at at its best, not not in that it's it's like quality, but just in its realness. In that there are these people who are broke as could be, who are just like, we have a feeling, and mm-hmm. we gotta put it to video. And like that's the part that I am like all for. I openly encourage that style of filmmaking. I think that's I'm, the best. Yeah, I mean, as a guy that's done a little bit of like you know student filmmaking in college. That was the best feeling of like, you know, we are broke ass college students. We don't have the best equipment, but we're like, hey, we have this story. What the hell are we going to do? It could involve me getting into a river 
or sitting on the back of a car while it's moving to get a cool shot. Don't do that, by the way. But I really, <laughs> I really got to commend people who like put their neck on the line to go out there and do that. Quality is a different issue. Hats off to you for making the thing. Quality is something completely different. Yeah, it, that's that's the thing. Yeah, go, I'll let you finish here. Finish here. Finish well, here. She, she said that um, running from a guy with a live chainsaw is excellent motivation to get in shape. It was a lot of fun. That's what she said about this movie. That's great. That's chainsaw. great. Again, again, that's great. Uh, that's <laughs> that is. I mean, hey, I gotta say, in terms of like, in terms of acting. Horror is always one where the f- where where the fear has to look as genuine as possible. So, mm-hmm. getting as close as conceivably possible to making it real danger without putting the actors and actresses in honest to Christ danger is like that's the golden goose, baby. Oh yeah, that was what that was what that was what made OG Texas Chainsaw so hardcore was because. These people were in 110 degree weather, dehydrated, in full sprinting from a dude with a live chainsaw who ran as fast as a linebacker. Like, of course, of course, that's gonna have it's gonna have some real fucking fear to it. Now, Mike, we're, I want to play another game. We've done this on the podcast before. Oh. You're gonna be guessing. We're gonna do the budget and the box office of this movie. Okay. So, Mike, we're, we're gonna start off. What do you think the budget? For the for the next generation was I'll give you I'll give you let me let me let me see what you start off and then we'll figure out how many guesses you get. Okay, so this is definitely okay. Kamikaze filmmaking pre fame Zellweger and McConaughey. I am thinking this is going to be a very tight budget movie. It's also Texas okay. Chainsaw, so let's be fucking real. You don't need a whole lot. I think so. I think I definitely don't think this is going to crest a million. I'm thinking they didn't go the route where it's like they do a short film, pitch it, get the green light and make a full movie out of it. Mm-hmm. It seems like they just went with it. So I'm going to shoot 800, 850. Lower. 650. lower this is your last guess 500k the budget was six hundred thousand dollars damn okay you you were you were close hey, I'm I, impressed. that's that's impressive hey i'm getting better at this i'm getting fucking better at this first we did <laughs> mom best, and dad which holy shit i was wrong on <laughs> <laughs> mom and dad was like the first was, time we did yeah. this and you just barbed wire b- barbed wire i overshot but barbed wire undershot and now i'm finding my goldilocks period i'm <laughs> i'm i'm moving in in the middle hills yeah hills and yeah. now and now i want to ask you what was this movie's box office and this was over both releases so the original 95 and the original uh limited release in 95 and then the, re- the next limited release in 97 Okay, so if we're if we're doing if we're doing both releases, I'm assuming it made its. Uh, ooh, this is this was this was noted as the worst one in the franchise, and I had never heard of this one. I had heard of all of them except for three in this one. 
I'm assuming this one didn't make its money back. So I would say like probably around 350, 400,000. Lower. Uh, 200,000. Lower. This is your last guess. 150. This movie made a hundred and eighty-five thousand dollars, eight hundred and eight. Wait, one one hundred and eighty-five thousand eight hundred and ninety-eight dollars over both releases. I'm t- okay. I'm telling you, I'm getting good at this. <laughs> the next time we play this fucking game, I am going to be hitting home runs. I'm going to be okay. Do you want me? To, do you want me to give you another chance? I I have I have one I have one more stat I was going to give you. Do you want do you want to try your hand at that? At the what? So, do you want to guess how much this movie made on its original limited release? Oh. Oh, the limited release. Oh my god. Okay. Uh sure. Sure. Go for it. Okay. 75k. Lower. One more guess. 38k. This movie made 400 uh, this movie made $44,272 on its first release. Jesus Christ almighty, it made nothing. <laughs> Holy shit. Absolutely fuck all. <laughs> dude, that dude, that would literally did worse than mom and dad. Holy shit. <laughs> so guys, now we're going to get to the ever important question. Mike, thank you for playing that game with me. We we always have a blast whenever I, we do this. I, higher I, I'm glad. Game. Thanks for having Thanks for Thanks, thanks for having me on, Pat. It's always good to be here. It's, I, I watch the show all the time. So, Mike, let's get to the important question. If this movie were a drink, what would it be and why? Okay, so the way I'm thinking with this movie, obviously, to, I've, I have said it many times in our, in our, in our, tri- in our uh, movie watching of this series so far that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is beer. Through and through, it is beer and not fancy beer at that. And I and and I feel like and I feel like I've sort of kept with that trend, you know? Like mm-hmm. kept with like keeping it to be pretty like generic beer, light beer, that sort of thing. Stuff you can easily get. But this movie is is something that lost its way. It's something that tried to tried to be what it was but failed and because of the star-studded cast extra stuff got thrown in there was some recasting and redoing and like because and and like star-studded status got thrown in and the waters got muddied Mm -hmm. so i'm and so i sat there and thought okay this takes place in texas and we're gonna need a beer I want a beer cocktail this time. I don't want to just do like a pairing mm-hmm. like I had done for the previous ones. So I thought of a Michelada. Because it's mm-hmm. beer. It's like tomato juice or hot sauce. And like a little bit of tahine and lime juice. And I was like, okay, I can work with that. So. First off the beer. 
Now, I was looking for a beer that comes from a company that's known for making some generic light beer. Some real honest-to-God, low-down, no-frills, you can get this just about anywhere in the United States sort of thing. Michelob. They make okay. just they make some pretty standard run-of-the-mill beer. Now, how do we find a beer that's lost its way? How do we find a beer that makes everyone go, what? What? How? No. No, this doesn't fit at all. I want to introduce you to a little little Michelob beer called Michelob Dragon Fruit Peach Beer. Ugh. Ugh. Uh it had a limited release and uh, has pretty much been swept under the table by Michelob. <laughs> um, so I'm like, okay, cool. So we have our Michelob dragon fruit peach. Uh, we're obviously going to keep, keep with tomato juice, you know, keep that. You know, it's a classic, you know, it's that's like, like Latino, like South Texas sort of thing. So that's fine. Mm-hmm. But, we still want to throw in that redneck backcountry. Moonshine. Classic. But again, Mm-mm-mm. it's lost its way. It's got it's 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 not what it was. It needs it, it it's forgotten its roots. Let me introduce you to Old Smoky Moonshine Pineapples with Pina Colada. Oh yeah. It's a it's a moonshine. That's based off of a cocktail that does not involve moonshine. <laughs> that is... I look, man, I don't get gatekeepy about many alcohols or liquors, but, like, like drink what you want to drink. No judgment. But it feels wrong to seek out moonshine based off of a pina colada. Mm-hmm. So we're going to throw that in. And then, finally... They still want, like, you still want that spice. You want that Texas chainsaw, like, power, that gore, that real, that real, like, six-speed power that, that, mm-hmm. the, that the franchise is known for. But you don't have the budget for six-speed power and gore. Eh, just throw it, a, throw it a little bit. Throw it a little dash, a little smidge. Just throw it a little bit Tabasco sauce and you're good. That's the hot sauce, you know? It's, we don't need extra stuff. And that's the next... That is that is Michelada, the next generation. That's what I'm calling it. I'm impressed. I really am. That was a, that was a, a well-thought-out <laughs> drink. Where, where you found... Was it <laughs> Passion Dragon Fruit? Or- dragon Fruit Peach Michelob Ultra. What? If you can find that, give it a shot. Let me know how it is, because I am intrigued. Mm-hmm. I'm, imp- I'm impressed. I'm imp- I think oh. you did a very good job with that I'm- one. <laughs> Thanks, Teach. No, 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 no. It was, it was, there was definitely, I was sitting there just looking around, and I can, well, if I'm, if I'm being honest, I sat there and I found the Michelada, and I was like, great. But I was like, there's got to be some crazy beer. And I found Dragon Fruit Peach and I went, we can work with this. Oh, can we work with this? We can fucking work with this. You see, it's with, with this podcast, well, this episode in particular, 
it's almost like we switched places because like you went with like kind of something that was a little bit extravagant. I kind of went with something that was short, direct, directly to the point. No nonsense. Here we go. So this was not a good movie. Nothing about it was redeemable. Except for maybe Matthew McConaughey. Now I can mm-hmm. sit here mm-hmm. and I can drone on about what this character represented and, you know, the in the spoiler alert for the movie, the insurance lady flashing her boobs at some people and something to do with <laughs> pizza for the some reason in, in high school prom. Like I could sit here and oh, and the, we cannot forget the secret society Illuminati subplot that this movie tries to throw at us. I could do that. Or I could not. And I chose to not. Because this movie was not trying. So (laughs) what this movie is, is, first of all, do not try this drink. Do not try this. I make it very fucking clear. Do not not try this drink. We are not, no, no, no. Do not go out there and do not try this. You will go to the hospital and you'll see why in a second. This movie is bathtub moonshine that makes you go blind. And while you're at it, throw in a splash of some wild turkey for our boy Matthew McConaughey. And yeah, that's it. That's it. That, that's this movie. Mike's of the opinion that this, this franchise is beer. I'm of the opinion that it's moonshine. So yeah, that, that's this movie. God speed. God fucking speed. Like, gee, yeah, it's, you know what? It's, I do think that the audience should go with mine, you know, out of just safety. I think it's smarter <laughs> if we went with mine, but I, I mean, it is, we're God making it very damn. clear. Do, do not try mine. Yeah. Absolutely. What do you think of that? Mike? <laughs> just, you know what? Fuck it. Let's go blind. Let's go blind. Let's do this. <laughs> All right, guys, well, let's throw down and let's talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. No rolling text this time. It's just a paragraph. I really feel like this is a bad omen. So this guy narrating Mm -hmm. sound like a World War II, like one of those World War II documentary narrators is reading this thing and. It's basically saying, you know, what we've heard already, but it also mentions that there were a couple of minor incidences after the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like this movie recognizes, like it's even this movie recognizes that its sequels weren't as good as the original. So after this paragraph, Mm -hmm. we get our first shot of the movie. And, you know, like with the Texas Chainsaw movies, we normally see the rolling Desert fields of Texas. And in this one, we don't get that. Yeah. We get a close-up, mm-hmm. an awkward close-up of a woman putting on lipstick. It's the next generation, and I guess it's going to... It's trying something. It's going against the grain. So it's, then we cut to... I go always, ahead. Oh, go ahead. 
Oh no no I was, no! I was I was just gonna jump in and just and just say, I was gonna say that it's. I always feel like I'm trying to toe the line between encouraging movies to be experimental and detract from their from their orig- from their predecessors, but also stick to stick to hallmarks and for and 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 yeah, stick to hallmarks and trademarks. And I and and with this one, I'm especially torn because on one hand, I'm like I'm like the opening crawl and the opening like desert scene driving with a car. That is the movie. That is how the movie should start. Mm-hmm. But I'm also but I but I also sit there and I honor like the guys trying to do something different. But I yeah, it's oh it's bad. It's it's bad. Don't get me wrong. But I always find myself sitting there just going like, I always find myself at war almost. It's a very difficult thing to balance because like on one hand, and we're going to get to talking about remakes in our next episode, but especially like when you're making sequels, it's very hard. Like how much do you pay, especially to like an iconic masterpiece that was your first film? It's like, do we want to try to be too much like that movie or do we want to try to go in a completely different direction, but then alienate our original audience? It's it's a very fine line to toe, and I think you really need to look at it in a case by case basis. Mm-hmm. And then we go to a like some mainstream grunge music video of people going to prom and pictures are being taken, and that's how we're getting that flash sound effect that we know the Texas Chainsaw movies for, and. Okay, it's prom night in the 90s. Dear Lord, that fashion. So one of these girls is acting nervous and like, I don't know, like she's tripping on some ketamine or some shit. She's like, I can't find Barry. Barry is missing. We're like, okay, whoever that is, his date is looking for him. Oh, but this girl, Mm -hmm. Heather, finds Barry kissing another girl on prom night. Fuck. Barry. Oh, the horror. <laughs> Barry is Barry's a piece of shit. <laughs> Barry sucks. Um Barry in fact, sucks. all of these characters let's suck. Talk shit about, let's talk shit about him in psychology. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no. Heather sees Barry kissing another girl, and you know, of course, they have some they have an argument, and this causes Heather to get in a car and he just she burns rubber out of there, almost causing several accidents along the way. And then we transition from this like grunge music video of prom to what feels like a Kelly Clarkson music video. Like I'm halfway expecting them to say, ah, to- what, what, what's, what's the name of that song? I tore your feet. I, I fucking can't even remember. anymore. <laughs> it's, it's a break. Wait, it's a breakup. Song. My life would suck without you or like uh hazel eyes. I don't Fuck, know. I'm not like, a Ke- Kelly Clarkson I'm, is pretty. Dude, I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I'm dude it's 2022 is anyone's kelly clarkson just on point you know the vibe bro, i'm going bro, she's the, that is true bro she's the only person who's like who came out of like american idol and didn't either fall off or go crazy name one other american idol winner that's a low blow that's a there, low you blow. <laughs> there you go there you go i rest my case yeah, exactly. You're like, case fucking closed. <laughs> so anyway, Barry hops in the car with Heather, and Barry is just gaslighting Heather the entire way when they're driving. 
Heather and Heather has Heather really has the most blase reaction to like seeing her boyfriend, I'm guessing, cheating on her. And it's, he's like he's like it was only once. It's crazy. It's crazy because the way Barry talks, it's like it's like he talks the same way like like one like like a really shitty friend of yours like tries to sit there and spin them getting caught red-handed into thinking you're the asshole. Mm-hmm. So I'll sit there and just be like, I had one kiss. You wouldn't have sex with me. And therefore, you had to have, you couldn't have been surprised that this outcome would have would have happened, actually. So <laughs> let's actually talk about how you fucked up here and not me. And it's just it's one of those things where it's you hear it and it's the most half-baked like argument that you're you're like you're just left going like what on earth like and then not to make it worse heather starts believing him and go yeah you're right i mean but you just know that i'm like like okay so we have so we have a dumb we have a dumb gaslighter and just an and and another dumb person (laughs) barry is the type of guy that will say literally anything to get fucked by anyone yeah, like he, he straight up was like, it was only once. Listen, if I don't have sex, I'll get prostate cancer and die. Or it says pro. He calls it prostrate cancer, or I'll die. <laughs> I'll get the cancer where if you lie down, you die. <laughs> it's it's I I it's there's it's almost admirable how like how much Barry doubles down. He just go. He's just it's going like, for it. Yeah. He's he's going the fucking distance, fam. Like he's not sitting there like pulling up, backing up, going like, oh, maybe I should and like, God damn it, or maybe I should try harder. He's just like sticking to his story, doubling down and getting more bananas with it. And you're like, hell yeah, Barry, keep getting weird. Keep getting weird, but fuck you. So that so as they're driving, we realize, oh shit, there are people in the back seat. Why? Fuck you. That's why. Everyone's just kind of cool with it. I I I swear to God, I I had to back up the movie because I looked away to answer a call and then I look back because it was a robocall, so I declined it immediately. I look fucking back and there are just two extra people in the car. And I was like, how did you all get here? What? And then I back it up and then they just appear and I'm Still confused. I'm like, great. My question didn't get answered, and now I just have more questions. Great. Yeah, it's like the beginning of this movie. It's so different from like the original. It's really like they wanted to turn the Texas Chainsaw franchise into like Carrie or a Nightmare on. Well, not, not uh, Carrie's probably a bad example. A Nightmare on Elm Street. Like it really mm-hmm. feels like they wanted to turn it yeah. into like oh teenagers battling against this creature here are the teenagers at the beginning of the movie it feels like the beginning of every other horror movie that isn't the texas chainsaw massacre does that make sense it's yeah i know no no i know exactly what you mean i know exactly what you mean like it's 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 that stupid uh unlikely pairing of misfits in a in a scenario where they all gotta like put aside each other's differences and like 
like this common enemy or so whatever stupid fucking b b plot movie line Mm -hmm. you want to call it at least with texas chainsaw you didn't have this like oh they're a team and they gotta work together no it is (laughs) texas chainsaw is very much a survival of the fittest movie like they don't Mm -hmm. try and sit there and go let's save each other gang like no it is it is i there are crazy cannibals and i'm just trying to stay alive (laughs) like it's but yeah, no, I exactly what you mean. It is literally like like pick your 90s movie. Like mm-hmm. like it's that it's that generic of a setup. So, they are driving somewhere. They're probably not too far from the school. I mean, they are in Texas. Where they are, they would probably know about, you know, the chainsaw massacres. So, anyway, they're driving and then they get T-boned by like an off-roading car. I'm like, okay, what the fuck's going on? So this other guy comes out, says some things, and then just passes out. Like my, my man just straight up dies, and this movie immediately becomes I know what you did last summer. It's I again I I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned I know what you did last summer. Another great, another great <laughs> 90s horror movie full of full of teens who really fucked up. Um but yeah, this dude, this dude walks out, he goes, I'm okay, and then he passes out, and you're just like, what? <laughs> like, it's, it's, again, it, like, it's just, oh my god, <laughs> like, just left wondering what the hell is happening. Well, do you want to know, um, what this guy, this random guy who we haven't seen before, what he's credited as, can you guess what he's credited as in the credits? man who dies he is credited as I'm not hurt (laughs) that's it I'm like I'm not hurt as played by like (laughs) David (laughs) Vince Brock dude Vince you've done it again Vince son of a bitch you son of a bitch I anytime 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 there's someone with that asinine of like a movie credit like I just want to sit there and be like you son of a bitch like <laughs> it's kind of like a Velma's friend from the Scooby-Doo movie oh that poor bastard yeah dude like dude who gets rejected dude who gets fucking dunked on so after I'm not hurt dies or passes out what we don't really know what happens yet. The the rest of the group is like, oh shit, what are we going to do? They try to reverse, doesn't work. So these kids on prom night, they're like, okay, well, what are we going to do? Well, here, let's split up. So they leave just the other guy that's not Barry. I really don't know what his name was. Like, I'm trying to, I, I don't know what his name was. <laughs> I, th- I think it was like, I think it was like, I think it was like Sean or something. <laughs> like, Sean. I just I, know, I just know he was, the, I know it was, I know they sat there and went, you're getting stoned, aren't you? And he's like, yeah, what of it? And I was like, <laughs> I like you. I like you. <laughs> All right. So Stoner Sean stays and the rest of the Heather, Barry and Jenny, they go and wander through the woods. Jenny was the other one. So as they're walking, they're foreshadowing by saying things like we're all going to die, guys. Mwah. The foreshadowing could not be any thicker. <laughs> it's, it's just 
it's like it's like now entering cannibal psycho murderer ranch featuring matthew mcconaughey like and they're just like they're like that sounds dangerous you're like fucking they're like oh Let's no go kidding you're like it's just it is oh my god there's like you thought you thought the texas chainsaw massacre franchise was not known for for like for like subtlety like Jesus Christ, this is not subtle. <laughs> this movie's as subtle as like just taking a sledgehammer and just throwing it to your buddy's face. It's it that's is, it. It's like yeah, again, there's it's there's nothing. It's yeah. So it's as they're as they're walking, they got a flashlight, and then something happens where they can't use the flashlight anymore. When we get the line, great. Now we can't see Jack. I'm sorry, Barry, but it is bright outside. Like you like this. You can see this is not the curse of Bigfoot or help. Maybe it is. I don't know. But yeah, the sky is is, blue. The sky is the sky is not blue, but you but it's like you can still it's still bright. Like I'm talking Mm -hmm. like the the moon is the sun type of bright. (laughs) It's, It's also also another quote. Another quote that I just love, that I just love, is Heather, the dumb girl, uh, who who apparently is who is apparently is like dating Barry for some fucking reason. <laughs> it just goes goes, guys, the flashlight's out. We should we shouldn't move forward. We shouldn't make a fire. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, girl, what? You are near a road, and it is bright outside. Why do you need? Why do you need a fire? Like you're not in fucking. You're not in Alaska or the Denali Highway. Like you can just fucking keep walking. <laughs> just follow I, the road that way, and you will be fine. I again. I I Heather. Heather's gone masterful one-liners she is i i love heather not because she's a good actor she sucks but like she'll sit there and just drop like the classic one-liner when they're driving the car guys i had a great idea what if i crashed the car and we died and then they go back to the normal conversation (laughs) like what (laughs) guys what if i crash this car and we turned into a kelly clarkson music song music video It's or, or or another great one or another great one. Barry, I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> like respect the hustle. Like, respect the hustle. I was like, I was like hell yeah, girl. <laughs> like you, you do you. But in any case, they're fucking wandering in the woods or some You're, shit. They're wandering in the woods after a bad jump scare with like some roadkill or some shit. We cut to later, and the teens enter this trailer thing. I don't know. They walk in and they talk to this random lady to call the police and, you know, get a glass of water. And her response at seeing these disheveled kids that are clearly, you know, scared for their lives. Oh, prom night. Just good, 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 good writing. Good, good writing. Good act. Good, good job, everybody. I, and I, love you, it. I love it. If you if you've seen any of these movies, you already know she's going to end up being one of the Sawyers, which they're not the Sawyers in this movie. We'll get to that in a second. So this scene, the older lady calls some guy named Vilmer hmm, mm-hmm. about the team, about the kids. She hangs up. Something goes crashing through the window that startles everyone. 
except this lady. She goes to the window and talks about some farmer's wife and then just flashes her tits at them. We just crop in to see them. And we are 15 minutes in. And I hate this. I, I, I just, again, again, the, the logic here is baffling. These guys throw something through the window and her response is to flash them. Like, it's just like, and she goes, no, nah, they were kids. They're crazy, crazy rascals. I'm like, am I in the fucking, am I in the Twilight Zone? Like, what is this? Who, who are all of you? What like, town is this? I was like, I was like, what kind of backwards ass town is this? Listen, you and I have both lived in some small towns, and I've never seen some shit like this. I was about to say, like, I just... That's that's definitely, like, someone who's lived in New York all of their life. Like, they have never left... They have never... They The, the most rural they went is, like, Staten Island. <laughs> like, Damn. And then this, they're just like... They're, they're just like, this is how they are. This is how the rednecks act. <laughs> Let rednecks write for rednecks like me and Mike. So back at the car. Hell yeah. Back at the car, someone comes to save Sean. And he's going to make everything. All right. All right. All right. Guys, we got Matthew McConaughey. Hell yeah. He comes in. He's here. He's here, baby. He's here. Walks in. Boy's dead. He's dead. And then Matthew McConaughey straight up just breaks this guy. This the um, I'm not hurt guy's neck with his hands. No tension. Looks at Sean's like, I'm going to kill you. And then McConaughey gets in his truck and drives away while Sean is like running down the road. Okay. I, I Okay. This whole interaction with. It's. It's just so much because because the Sean runs mm-hmm. and and Matthew McConaughey makes chase or gives chase. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sean watched Vilmer, I guess as he's called, as we'll as we'll later hear him be known as. He watches him kill I'm not hurt guy. He is running away. And we, as the audience, assume it's for his life. I just want to talk about the zinger or the the great one liner. I'm telling this movie, great one liners. Oh yeah, the great line that he says to Vilmer, which was, <clears throat> "Mister, please, you're scaring me." like 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 like, dog we are past scaring like he has just killed a man it's time to stop asking questions or saying things because yo you just saw murder you could be like don't ask questions just fucking run get out of there don't look back that's I'm like, just wow. Like, that's that is amazing. I love that. I fucking love that. <laughs> and it's that moment I really fell in love with Sean as a character. Like, I was like, man, I hope he doesn't die. Well, you'll just have to wait and see on that one there, buddy. So 
We cut to the other kids leaving this woman's trailer. They ask about the service station across the road, and then they start walking back. Now we're back at Sean, and Sean is running down the road. He's running for his life. He goes through the trees. Sean's getting winded just so easily. McConaughey is saying some creepy redneck shit. McConaughey does end up catching Sean and hitting him with his truck. And to celebrate, you know, with this, you know, because Matthew McConaughey is a murderer in this movie and he gets off on that. He does what any one in the 90s would do. And then plays some rap metal on the radio while he keeps running Sean's body over, just puts it in drive, it hits him, reverses it, puts it in drive, hits him, and just keeps doing that shit like three to four times. Hell yeah. I love it. I love it. He's got a rap metal tape. He he sits there and it's just like, he literally is like, he's literally like, oh, this is my killing teenagers music. And he like, puts in like it literally sounds like like faith no more or like fucking like or like or like a really like a dollar store rage against the machine and he just puts it in it's just like jamming out as he's like running over a teenager i i expect matthew mcconaughey has a rap metal playlist that he listened to to get into like the zone for this character man he's got to get going absolutely that's it's all he did was watch all he did was watch a, as he was getting hair and makeup done he was sitting there listening to rat metal watching wwe and was just like hell yeah 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 i'm getting back to my texas roots hell yeah hey mcconaughey does love his wrestling that's for sure I lo- isn't he I from it. texas he is from texas he he's a teacher there we go he's a t- he is a professor at the university of texas now he's all about them longhorns He's not good. I can't say go Longhorns because that's by principle. I can't. But yeah, good for him. Good for him. Good for him. He's doing all right. So he's doing all right. All right. All right. So the teens continue to walk down this road and they chase after this random truck. It's not Vilmer's truck. So Barry and Heather, they go down this one road to chase after this truck. But everyone kind of violates girl code by leaving Jenny just just by herself. And it's like, okay, I guess I'm just going to have to wander down this fucking road with a flashlight. I I fucking love that. They literally just turn to Jenny and they're like, peace, bitch. And Jenny's like, they just leave her. All right, fucking fucking fine. I guess I'll go wander through these dark woods alone at night. So Jenny wanders down this road with a flashlight. You know, she's in her mind. She's like, okay, I'm going to go check on Sean. So she continues to walk down this, the, busiest like side country road ever as another as a motorcyclist drives by that was supposed to be matthew mcconaughey and then gets attacked by a trash bag and it startles her with a loud noise i hate these false jump scares i really do oh yeah because it's like you're built you are building up to nothing and because you don't provide the audience when we get another build up we're gonna be like oh it's not gonna be anything you are subconsciously telling us do not be scared whenever like there's a riser. Cause you know, it's going to be nothing. It's just going to be okay. a cat or a trash bag or a ferret or something. I don't know. It feels, it feels so as, as a viewer, I feel like I've seen this more in modern horror movies as time has progressed. 
like I've seen more and more of these, like in the beginning of the movie, they break the tension, which I don't like, but they mm-hmm. break it by doing false jump scares. It'll sit there and like, like if it's like someone is just seen a murder and like a teenager just seen a murder and the girls at her locker, like the false jump scare will be like the guy slams the locker and you're just like, you're like, Oh mother God, fucking damn it. Like it's mm-hmm. just, I just, just leave the tension. Leave it there. Build on it. Let it let it really soak in. Because by the time you it gets it gets to like a peak, you cut it with the jump scare, and it'll send people flying. Like it's, but that's a yeah, tangent I, I, for a different day. I don't hate jump scares. I just hate the fake ones. And speaking of mm-hmm. and speaking of bad stuff in this movie, Barry and Heather. Heather says things about her actually being smart. She literally says. I'm a bitch, just like my mother. I want people to like me. I hate characterization like this. Heather's saying things like, I was stringing you on. I don't care if you cheat on me. Mike, have you, have you ever met a person that talks like this? Who talks like I, this? Yeah, exactly. It's your... Hmm, all right. Dumb movie mistake number one. You are laying the cards out, showing them to the viewer and going, now this card goes to this character for this reason. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. Like, just, like, I just, it's just, that's not real dialogue. And also, like, like, it feels like shoehorn dialogue for the movie to get a chance to explain their character, which I'm like, no, 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 no. It has to be, it has to be circumstantial stuff where you can lead into that stuff where it do- where it feels natural and not like expositiony you know well it almost feels like with this movie and with a lot of bad movies that especially like with the 90s and like with the 80s and the 90s we got a lot of pe- moving away from focusing on the people and more so focusing on the killers, like with nightmare on Elm street, Friday, the 13th Halloween, people were so fascinated by the killers that we, it kind of flipped in the studio's heads where it was like, okay, they want to focus on the killers. So we're going to make the, all of these uh, humans pieces of shit. So we're going to be rooting for the killers the entire time. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't work. No, it's, You need you need to sit there and what makes the killers good is building attachment. You have to build that love of the character and then watching and then watching that character get just absolutely got that. That is what builds a like fascination with with an antagonist like you. Oh, you dislike them. And but it's also this like you don't want to root for them. You want to, it's like, it's like a morbid fascination with like, with like these like killers. And I just feel like Hollywood just for, I think about like 20 something years, completely and utterly forgot about it. For, forgot, yep. forgot that you needed to make your characters likable and you want to root for them at the end of the day. Yeah, well, a good example of that would actually be one of the, like one of the next scenes when Heather and Barry, they approach this random house in the countryside, which 
We've seen these films. You know we don't do this. But the way that Heather and Barry do this is just shittier, I guess. I don't know why, but these kids, like when they're approaching this house, instead of us being like, no, 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 don't, don't go, don't go to that house, don't go to that house. Like it was like with the first, you felt this sense of like overwhelming dread. Whereas here, it's like I could not give a shit if you go into that house, if you go walking into that yeah. house or anything. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You're sitting there and you see, uh, and like I'm gonna sit there and like move the move this move the move the story forward just so I can so just so I can go off on that and build off mm-hmm. what you said. Eventually what ends up happening is they try and get in and try and get someone's attention. Doesn't work and Heather and Barry just start arguing and Heather goes, "Why don't you go around back?" And then Barry mm-hmm. just like does some stupid like dumb dumb fucking quip and goes, "Fine, I'll go out back." Mm-hmm. He goes out back. Lo and behold, there's a redneck with a double barrel shotgun pointed at him. The redneck starts dropping quotes. And like Barry just starts going off on this like extra long. My dad's a lawyer, and if you shoot me, technically that's considered blah blah blah. And like the whole time, like 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 exactly what you said. I'm sitting there, and like I'm not rooting for them. I'm not like, oh God, get out of this. I'm rooting for you, bud. Like you're sitting there going like, fucking shoot him, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him in the skull, shoot him in the skull. I hate him so much. <laughs> shoot him. Like you, like that's not how you should do it. Even. Even like, like those like seventies movies and the movies now. Whenever it's like, whenever it's like, the tropey stuff, like the dumb, mm-hmm. like the dumb slutty girl, or like, or like the or like the dumb jockey guy, they all die first. But they're not, they're not unlikable. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're just kind of like sleazy, and you're kind of like, mm-hmm. okay, whatever. They're sleazy characters. That's that's fine. But they still have some base level of likability. If you don't give them that, then you just then you're robbing yourself of the agency. God mm-hmm. damn it! Yeah, well, let's talk about that guy that pulled the gun on uh, Barry. Do you mm-hmm. know who that was? It was his name was. Well, in this one, it's the Slaughter family, but it's it's so weird, like the timeline of this movie, because we have the Sawyer family, and then in this one. It's the Slaughter family, which why the fuck would you do? You have a Leatherface. You have the Sawyer family already established. It's a fourth one. Just <sighs> Leatherface died in the second one. And we're still going with what? <sighs> Whatever. I'm I'm just going to assume that these are all different I, movies, I, even I, though they reference also, the, the previous sequels in the opening paragraph. Also, need we like not only did Leatherface. Like, this is, like, I'm surprised Toby Hooper didn't sit there and come out and just rant and rave about how much he hates the Texas Chainsaw movies. Because, like, honestly, I I swear to God, man, Toby Hooper did one movie, was like, great, that was it, I'm done, I'm happy, I love it. And then Hollywood breathed down his neck for so long that he was like, fuck it, I'll make a second one. Like, like the same thing that happened with Gremlins 2. And then he kills off Leatherface, kills off the Sawyer family, has Stretch do a dance, and he goes, cool, and movie. Like, but Hollywood sits there and goes, no, we'll bring Leatherface back or fucking whatever. And now, not only that, but they've just gotten rid of the Sawyers. They've just gotten rid of the Sawyers. Now they're the Slaughters, which I gotta say, that is like, one, if that is your regular ass name in real life, 
You need to be in a heavy metal band. You need to be in a heavy metal band. For the love of all that is holy, you need to be in like a death metal band. Like that is your calling in life. But like outside of that, like that is so corny. That's so corny. That doesn't sound rednicky. That just sounds that sounds like cannon fodder. Like it's literally beating you over the head with who these people are. Like I am halfway expecting in the dinner scene later that like Sergeant Slaughter from the old school WWF is going to be just sitting there too. Yes. Yes. He's like, oh my God. He's looking, he's dressed up like fucking Colonel Mustard or some shit. Like just sitting in the corner. Like I'm here too. Like I, I, oh my God. It's just this one. This one feels like what's really crazy is like the third one, the third one of this movie. Mm-hmm. It felt the that felt more like rid, more stupid than anything else. This feels more egregious. Like it's trying too hard. Like it's trying too hard, but it's also trying it's trying too hard to be its own thing, but also trying way too hard to be Texas Chainsaw. And you're like I no, mm-hmm. which which sounds like a really weird thing, but like I I feel like if you watch all mean. of them up, yeah, exactly. If you've watched mm-hmm. them all up to this point, you kind of get it. Like, but yeah, go ahead, go ahead. He's so let's, let's, get, let's get let's get back on. Uh, I want to talk about one thing. <laughs> uh, we're gonna go. We're gonna go in. So Barry's out back looking around the house. Heather's waiting up front in the swing, but we see someone walking behind her. It's just kind of like, oh, here's this person walking behind her. Oh, by the way, it's Leatherface. No introduction, just he's just right there. So Heather, like, because she lacks spatial awareness, I guess she can't feel someone standing behind her. Suddenly she does. And then we get like an attempted recreation of like that one shot in the first movie where Leatherface grabs that girl as she's like trying to flail her arms and then drags her in. Here, it's not quite that. Mm-hmm. So Leatherface yanks her back into the house and Heather is screaming. Leatherface breaks down a door. He's screaming with some weird, creepy drum and bass underneath, which mm-hmm. feels really out of place. Like the, ori- the original did not need music. So why does this movie think it needs music? So yeah. what does Le- what does Leatherface do? He he puts her in a coffin and we think it's done. But no, she Opens the coffin. This was this was a funny scene. I'm gonna tell you what. Yeah, I, I, opens, I, was like, I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> she opens the coffin real easily, and then he's like, "Okay, what do I got to do?" And then he puts like some gigantic metal heavy thing on top to prevent her from opening. And Leatherface just screams like a he screams like a human. It feels too real. Like the first one, we don't really hear leather. We might hear like you know a couple of and like a couple of grunts like that, but this is just like outright. Ah, screaming. It feels, and you know what's crazy? Yeah, it, like, 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 I, I understand what you're saying, and I totally agree. Leatherface feels too human. Granted, mm-hmm. Leatherface in the original one was meant to be someone, he, he was literally designed, he's literally canonically someone who's differently abled. And as mm-hmm. someone who has essentially just, like, been sort of, like, manipulated in such a way that he is just a, a tool used by the Sawyer family. Mm-hmm. But in this, it feels less like he is a tool and more like he's just a dude 
who's just weird. And you're like, no, 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 no. Like, it kind of was great that Leatherface was kind of this person who was just this, like, un... who was, like, this borderline mute. Mm-hmm. Who all you could do is breathe really heavily. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. like, and, like, giving him a voice and making him scream and all that, it feels like you're... It, it feels like you're humanizing him in a bad way. And I, I do want to ask you a question. So, in this movie... Leatherface has the official haircut of the messed up at midnight podcast. Leatherface yes. has a fucking mullet. Yes. Mike, Leatherface Mike, has a let, fucking bullet. What, what, what do we, th- what do we think of a, uh, what do we think of Leatherface's mullet? Oh, it's there. It's up there. It's up there. I'm giving, that's a, that's a B plus mullet. That's a B plus mullet right there. That is, hey, you know what? I, it's not a class. It's no, it's not samurai cop, but like, it's like it's, it's a, a curly. It's, it's a it's a it is like a curly haired mop of a mullet. That's he, the best way I know, can describe it. You know, with Leatherface's mullet and his and his dirty jeans and his mm-hmm. and his flannel shirt. You know who he reminded me of? Mick fucking Foley Mick from Foley. WWE. <laughs> We're throwing all the WWE references at you guys today. We got Mick <laughs> Foley. We got Sergeant Slaughter. I'll get to one later a little tease for y'all i was i was about to say are we gonna throw are we gonna find a way to weave in the iron chic <laughs> not him let's see if we can make that happen naturally <laughs> okay. okay so then we go back to the front where barry is talking to the guy with the gun who by the way that is we slaughter do you remember W.E. Slo- e. Sawyer was mentioned in the third one in the opening title card as he got like put in jail or something because, I don't know, fuck continuity, I guess. And W.E.'s whole like character <laughs> is he says historical, he says quotes and then says who said them. That's, that's his whole thing. He'll say like you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott, like it's <laughs> it's like that. It's like it's yeah no it, it's so weird like like it's it doesn't like I understand what they were trying to do trying to like give him like a very specific give him a very specific sort of like thing you know mm-hmm. like like give him like this sort of uniqueness. Because I guess, I guess they saw Chop Top and how they made him very unique in that he's like kind of a hippie-ish thing, but also like completely off the walls and bananas and just went, we need to do that. We got to do that. We got to do that. So they, so their whole thing was quotes. How did this redneck in rural Texas get a hold of so many quotes from so many people before the internet, I before like the internet was know. a big thing. Exactly. And this was not again. If this was like 2020, I would have been like, "There, whatever." He, he, he's just quotes. he's just on Reddit. That's it. Yeah, like like he's yeah exactly. He's on r slash. He's on r slash like incel or r slash the Donald, and he's just <laughs> sitting there, just like just like just coming up with the most like incelly quotes. But um, so no, he's. Yeah. He, he it it feels like they just gave him a fucking quote book and went pick some like so it's like john paul jones and shit like that <laughs> all right 
Like word. So Barry gets forced into the house and he wanders through calling out for Heather. He enters this grungy bathroom, turns around, boom, dead body in the bathtub. Barry exits the bathroom. And then we try to recreate another classic scene from the first one of Leatherface appearing and hitting someone over the head, which would be it would be a nice homage. I'll give him that. You know, you always got to reference the film, you know, pay homage to the films that came before. It'd be really nice if Leatherface didn't just scream the entire fucking time. So what what happens? What happens? So Leatherface goes to the coffin, takes Heather out and puts her on a meat hook. And in this version, we didn't see. And then Barry's body just fucking disappears somehow. I don't know why. Was this cut? I, I could not find an explanation. So what happens next? So we go to Jenny. She gets approached by Matthew McConaughey in his truck. Jenny's like, hey, like, where is Sean? McConaughey is like, doesn't matter. Get in the truck. And Jenny's like, I bet. So Jenny's in the car. (laughs) This girl has no agency. This girl has no agency. This dude, this dude is literally screaming, get in the fucking car. Get in the goddamn car. Who gives a shit about Sean? Get in the fucking car right now. Where are we going? Shut the fuck up. Why do you ask so many questions? Get in the car. And she's like, okay. Like, I'm like, Jenny Jenny is is that type of like, go with the Jenny's type of go with the flow. Where it's a problem, you go too much with the flow. <laughs> I'm about to say, I am. I look. I am a huge proponent of go with the flow. But there is also a line in the sand where you stop going with the flow. Jenny is one of those people who's like, who's goes, who sit there and is like, she's one of those like very like spiritual religious people who goes, God will guide me. Like, I don't need to worry about anything. God will guide me. He will guide me. I got the power of God and anime on my side. (laughs) Fucking literally. (laughs) Like, like she'll just walk into traffic and just like, or just, and just be like, be like, God will keep me safe. (laughs) And you're just like, you're like, I don't know that, that, I don't know if that's smart, Jenny. Let's not test that theory. (laughs) So, Jenny's in the truck with McConaughey, who, Right about now, I'm I'm really wanting him to go into like a spiel about why he drives a Lincoln or whatever the fuck truck he's driving, like he did in those old commercials. <laughs> I gotta love, I miss those. Gotta gotta love those commercials. So McConaughey basically gives us like, hey, a stranger danger PSA, and you know McConaughey is doing a great job of being very creepy. But then Jenny turns and sees Sean hanging upside down while being dragged by the truck. So Jenny's scared. McConaughey's being creepy. Jenny's like, fuck this. Yeets herself out of the truck and runs through the woods. McConaughey plays some like Leonard Skinnerd while she, while he's chasing after Jenny in his truck. And honestly, I can see McConaughey. I can see McConaughey like the person doing this in real life. If he ever just was, snapped one day, I honest to God, this is, I, I have I have a firm belief <laughs> that that in this Hankel was just like was just like oh she's gonna hop out the car and you give chase and McConaughey went I can do that but also is it okay if I spice it up and he went yeah you're a, yeah sure why not why not 
Because this is so violently Southern. Like he's sitting there like cranking some Southern rock like Skinnerd in his fucking pickup as he's just drag chasing someone through the fucking woods. As he's like, he, as he's sitting there and he's like, he's like, woo! As he's like chasing, like, you're like, you are. I was like, I was like, I was like, damn. How, McConaughey, I, how, where does the acting stop with him? Because listen, this feels listen, weirdly listen. method acting. No, McConaughey, like, those the, the way he was driving that truck and the way he put that tape in the radio like it felt too natural to the point where i was like no, no, no he he's done this before he has experience <laughs> with this he has, ex- he has experience chasing chasing teenagers on prom night through the woods in a in a pickup truck <laughs> so what happens jenny runs into some trees mcconaughey gets out says some redneck cowboy shit so he leaves Jenny's just left in the middle of the woods. Jenny just kind of stands there and then gets startled by a chainsaw. It was supposed to be a jump scare, but this did not scare me. Not, I didn't, not even in the slightest. I, it's no, no, it's just Leatherface. So Leatherface chases Jenny through the woods. I'm not sure which I would notice first, either the, the sound of the chainsaw or Leatherface's screaming. So, what happens? <laughs> so Jenny he just doesn't stop screaming. God damn it. All he does is just yell and he, it's either the chainsaw, him, or both. There is no in between. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jenny breaks into a stranger's house again, and Leatherface does the same thing from the first movie and cuts down the door without even trying to open it. That's that big fucking theater kid energy. Hell yeah. <laughs> you go, Leatherface. You you go. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, you, you can't fault Leatherface for sitting there just going like like hey now, hey now, this is this is what this is my moment. This is what dreams are made of. Like he's just like as he's like tearing shit down. He's got like a really unique, like before he goes on stage, he's gotta like, you know pound three monster energies and go do just go run a hundred meter dashes back and forth and then i don't know if i can punch a tree or some shit while he before uh, before he goes out on stage so heather goes upstairs she finds a gun this is this is what happens this is true she finds a gun on a taxidermied policeman and heather tries to shoot leatherface with this gun she found but it has no bullets so Heather tries to pull a Sally and just throw herself through a window. And I cackled. I was like, how <laughs> dare you stand where she stood? Damn it. I was about to say, like, like she sits there and just, th- I saw her huck herself at the window and I audibly laughed. I sat there and just went, it's just, I just saw that. And just went, no, you're not doing the same thing that Sally did. No, 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 no. And, and then I saw her that she was still on the roof. I'm like, damn, you even suck at throwing yourself out the window. It was like, no, no. Sally threw herself like out of the window and like into the yard. Sally threw herself like a fucking football. Like she just fucking, she did a fucking like a, like a, like a three point fucking dive out the window, two stories into the lawn. Yeah, Jenny just kind of like casually broke through the window and landed on the roof. So Leatherface follows 
and sticks his head out. The, he chases after. Um, sorry, I lost my I lost my place in my notes, guys. Please bear with me. I had Heather, but I was like, no, no, Heather's <laughs> in the fucking in the fucking where she's on the she's on the meat hook. Yeah, yeah. So Jenny is trying to run away. She climbs up like an antenna for some weird reason. Yeah, she starts she starts climbing a fucking TV antenna, which I don't understand. But then after that, Where do you after to go, I, it's like it's like it's like I thought it was just going to be another like callback to what Sally did, which is you just hung yourself at the window back two stories down and just fucking mm-hmm. keep booking it. But no, no, she, she does like there, sort of climbing. Yeah, what she does is arguably dumber. Like she's climbing on, she's climbing on TV antenna and live wire. Like, and then she starts, she she starts, she starts fucking. Uh, what is it? Army crawling or like uh, what is it? I forget what type of crawling it is, but she does a crawling on the wire over to the tree. Yeah, it's so weird because like the cables are dark, so it literally looks like that Jenny's just floating there, just in space. <laughs> That could, I was does. like, wait, wait, I like, I had to rewind. I was like, wait, what the, what, what the fuck is like? Oh, okay, sorry. We live in the, we live in the. It's twenty twenty two. We live in a cable cutting world. So, good for y'all, exactly. I guess. Exactly. Jenny just kind of, the cords get cut. Jenny falls to the ground. She stands still. You're like, okay, what's going on? And then she hears the chainsaw and Leatherface uses his Kool-Aid man powers to burst through this like greenhouse while like some like disturbed is playing in the background, like some type of down with the sickness type shit. I was about to say it's it's like right before you notice that you notice that too, right? It it sounded. Oh, yeah. No, no. One hundred percent. It's like as as she's like sitting there getting up, you just hear. And then you just hear like a pause, and as she gets up, you just hear Leatherface go ooh ah as he like <laughs> slams through the glass. I need to. I'm gonna make that edit happen. Remind me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make that happen. <laughs> Hell yeah! Hell yes! So Jenny's running, and all of a sudden, she's back at the woman's trailer from the beginning. She goes in. And this woman, who apparently was named Darla, had to look that one up because it was kind of hard to figure out, just wanders outside to try to, you know, talk with the whoever's chasing Jenny. <laughs> she needs to figure out who needs flashing. <laughs> She's gonna flash him and that's that and that's gonna be it. So Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay down the law and flash these flash these people once and for all. So she calls a WE. We remember W.E. from earlier. Oh, shit. What's going on? So W.E. walks in. And yeah, big surprise. This lady working out of the trailer. She's a Sawyer or a Slaughter or whoever she is. And W.E. just starts poking Jenny with like this cow prod. So what happens? Darla just like, hey, I need to go pick up some pizza. W.E ties Jenny up and puts her in the trunk of Darla's car and is she is just screaming while she's tied up in that trunk why are these people cannibals there's a pizza place like within the drive of your house 
Why are y'all cannibals? Well, we actually don't see that they are cannibals. Do, do you remember a reference to them being cannibals? I, I don't. I don't remember seeing any reference that they are cannibals, which was going to be another complaint of mine. Like, there's no reference to them trying to eat her. Like, at least in the third one, they said the phrase, cut her up so we can eat her. And you're like, okay, all right, there's the cannibal reference. But, like, it's like, here, bro, they don't say shit. But Continue. So it's like, so Darla goes to this, like, drive through pizza place, all while Jenny is tied up and screaming in the trunk, um, which would be very nice, but... um, the trunk is open and uh, like it's open to the point where like you could just walk by and look and see somebody just tied up in the back like that you could clearly tell that something was back there oh yeah and the pizza guy heard a muffled screaming as well so what the what what is the purpose of this i shit you not listeners for context like like like, I feel like I if you're not up to speed right now, then Godspeed. But it's like she's literally, literally, she is Darla is in the drive through with Jenny tied up in the trunk, screaming bloody murder. Darla gets out in the middle of the drive through, pops open the trunk and looks at Jenny in the drive through. This is the equivalent of like a kidnapping victim like opening up their trunk in the middle of a Chick-fil-A parking lot. Like it's not like this, like, like, like rural spot. You literally see a, like a little, like a group of like little kids with their like soccer tryouts outfits run by. And like, even like a cop rolls up and is just like, Hey, how's it going? Little lady. (laughs) She's like, Oh, fine. And she like slams the trunk door. It was really like a JV soccer team. Just walking by. Like, and not one of the kids went, what's that? <laughs> like, it's, like, it's actually insane to me, this scene. Well, you actually mentioned, um, so yeah, like, like Mike said, there are police officers behind her. And do you want to know who one of these police officers is? Is it, is it fucking Lefty? It's not Lefty, but the actress is that her name is um and this is on IMDb her name is Deborah McMichael but if you were a fan of one Monday night raw you would know Deborah as the wife of stone cold Steve Austin guys let's make stone cold <laughs> get on this podcast put us Hell, on the stone cold yes. podcast you know you can't go through an episode without Absolutely. me saying hey stone cold i want to be on your podcast Absolutely. Let's I'm, make that happen. Bring your wife on. We want to talk to her about. I don't her. think I don't think I don't think they're together anymore. So we're just gonna. Oh, but bring, they, but hey, they were bring, at one hey, point. Steve, you know what, Steve? Everyone has second chances. Bring your ex back on. Let's talk about this and just go. Why? Why? <laughs> why? <laughs> Stone Cold. I feel like I say this every time I bring up Stone Cold. The ball's in your court, but no, it's still in my court. Please. Please, please, please put, please put me on your podcast. That would be please. That would be a lot of fun. <laughs> please, Mister Stone Cold. It would be absolutely, utterly crazy if I totally crushed a brew with you, Mister Stone Cold. Please. <laughs> so Darla gets in the car, shuts the trunk, then drives away. So suddenly, Heather appears to have escaped the slaughterhouse and is in the middle of the road. 
I thought she got done in by a meat hook, but fuck it, I guess. Darla sees this, gets out of the car, gets a stick, and then just lightly hits Heather with it. With like, ow, stop it. Don't hit me. Ow. (laughs) I like I was watching this scene going like, like wondering what the hell they're trying to do. Because literally, she's literally, like, I cannot stress it up. It is, like, fucking, like, love taps with the stick. It's like you're trying to wake someone up. Like, she's just like, e, like, stop it. Like, stop it. And, he, and just eventually, she sits there and just dips. She goes, eh, fuck it, just stay there. <laughs> Which I, I just thought was ridiculous. So Darla arrives home with the pizza. W.E. Sawyer is hitting Leatherface, and now Leatherface is wearing, holy shit, his new mask he is wearing. Looks like what would happen if you left the Michael Myers mask just out in the sun for too long. And he's also wearing drag. <laughs> what? Why? Why? It's, I'm sure there are I'm sure there are academic papers out there like, to explain this, but like why? It feels you know what it feels like? It feels like it feels like they're trying to do what they what they very lightly did in the first Texas Chainsaw. Because you remember in the first Texas Chainsaw, in the dinner scene, Leatherface has like he put like tried to put lipstick on or something like that, or tried to put like makeup on. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I don't know if you saw that, but Leatherface has like really, really poorly done lipstick put on, which 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 makes me sit there and stop and go like, okay, are they trying to call back and sit there and go like, no, Leatherface does drag, and you're like, oh, okay, it just because it just doesn't feel like that. It just it just feels odd. Yeah, I mean, I mean. I can see people making a comparison between like this film and a nightmare on Elm street too, which I don't know if you're familiar with that movie. There was like, there was a gay I'm, subtext. There was a gay subtext with that uh, one. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. With this one. It sure. Feel, he's cross dressing. See, the thing is, I was like, I was about to say like, I don't feel like this movie thought that far ahead. I think I genuinely think the idea would be the idea was, yeah, yeah, make cross dress. That that'll that'll probably freak a couple people out. I'm, I guarantee you that that was in the nineties, as, as deep. Yeah, exactly. Because it was it was nineteen ninety. It was nineteen ninety five. Someone just so a cross dressing was like out of the fucking question. So like they they just went ah that'll freak people out. Like it's so yeah yeah. I guess I guess cross dresses right now. So Darla brings Jenny or Leatherface brings Jenny into the house and we find out that McConaughey and Darla are together. McConaughey is looking over some phones and he's being emotionally abusive to Darla. He's just it's just back to the dysfunctional family that we were kind of missing from the last one. McConaughey chews up these types of scenes like Mm -hmm. again that that's probably one of the best things about this film. It's not a whole lot. It's literally just McConaughey being creepy, like McConaughey kissing Heather and laughs with blood trickling down from his mouth. 
it's yeah 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 so jenny is begging darla to save her darla starts talking about a conspiracy like what was the line like you don't like do you think the government killed jfk or who, who do you think killed jfk it was the government he's like no, no no it was these people so okay we got like a secret society subplot going on yeah and i'm I'm halfway expecting it's, to I'm halfway expecting like the Buckner family from Cabin in the Woods to come out and for us to find out. Oh, no, no. They're, they're appeasing the ancient ones with this one. That's I that's the that's like, the that, that's the that's the thought I'm going with. They work for a secret society that that is there for the sole purpose of pleasing the ancient ones. You're <laughs> like, honest to God, this this inclusion of this little line. Is just it opens up the hugest can of worms, because initially, like I guess the initial idea was for them to like for was for them to say was for Darla to say something so outlandish, and for you, the listener, to write it off and go, "Ah ha ha, what a crazy idea!" But mm-hmm. no, like they go into it. They're like she's like, "No, these people are responsible for the death of John F. Kennedy. They've actually carried out multiple assassinations over the past two thousand years. Our employees are." pretty powerful if i'm being honest so uh yeah i'm working this job i'm working this job just to you know because it's really interesting to me and i was like what the fuck <laughs> like i literally just sat there in positive wind huh like what what is, is going on we are we it is it is a group of redneck cannibals in texas you we don't, don't know they're cannibals extra. we don't know the, we don't know the slaughters are cannibals it's these are rednecks in Texas who are hunting people. We don't need extra little bits. Like it's just, oh my God. Yeah, I mean, oh I mean, God. I mean, going forward a little bit, we got McConaughey. We got McConaughey in the kitchen with any. By, by the way, I don't know if we mentioned this, but McConaughey's got like a got like some steampunk leg brace going on. Leatherface yeah, is in drag. I, who the fuck knows? We got Leatherface in drag. We got W.E. Sawyer quoting history. Darla's being weird. Like the first movie felt truly unhinged with its characters. This one kind of feels. This one just feels like an episode of like Jerry Springer. Yes, yes, it does. Yes, it does. See the the original one. It felt like the the Sawyers were genuinely an unhinged group of people. Who truly and honestly meant harm. That that amidst all of their dysfunction and like hatred towards one another, that still boiled down to they're gonna they're all gonna band together for the sole purpose of eating you. Like mm-hmm. here it's just like you said, it just feels like Jerry Springer. Like it goes, You stupid girl, you stupid bitch, when you came into our lives, you ruined everything. Well, fuck you, you don't know shit, you don't know how to run a house. It's like, what I was like, what is this? <laughs> And and Jenny tries to turn into Jerry Springer by trying to control the situation. So Jenny just grabs a shotgun and points it at them. So everybody kneels, like everybody kneels except for McConaughey. McConaughey sees Jenny pointing the gun at him. He reacts by slicing his titty. Jenny just stands there with the gun. McConaughey is throwing Darla to the ground, stepping on her neck. The fuck is this relationship? Heather's mm-hmm. wanting to just mm-hmm. lie down. It's all chaos. Jenny points the gun at McConaughey, pulls the trigger, doesn't go off. McConaughey takes the shotgun, fires it, and it goes off in the air. McConaughey then goes like screaming caveman unga boonga by like thrusting the shotgun up in the air. 
Jenny says, hey, fuck this, and then runs out of the house, hijacks the car, and Vin Diesel's it, but McConaughey jumps on the hood of the car after making a, a strange noise like a onto the car, <laughs> and Jenny then crashes the car. That all happened in a short I, amount of time. It felt like it happened in like two minutes, but it's. I love that after Jenny tries to fire the shotgun, he grabs the shotgun, fires it, and then goes full fucking caveman. Like he goes, and he starts to, and then he like literally, like I, I like just as you said, he literally goes, and he like jumps on her on her car, and I was like, what? That was a what funny you, noise. Are you trying out to be one of the sand people from fucking Star Wars? Like, why are you making that noise? I, this, again, like I said, Matthew McConaughey is the only person in this movie where I'm like consistently entertained whenever he's on screen. It's not by a lot. And this movie is not good, but he makes it just a little bit like. He makes it all right, all right, all right. So Mm -hmm. we cut to Leatherface putting on lipstick, listening to vinyl. McConaughey and Darla are in the kitchen and they're trying to figure out the wires, I guess, to his steampunk leg brace. So then we go to the dinner, the classic dinner scene. And you guys Mm -hmm. have heard me making jokes about Matthew McConaughey by, you know, doing the all right thing. And that would be, you know, fine. But here he actually says it like his character says, all right, all right, all right. As he comes in the fucking cannibal, I don't know, the cannibal dad coming in, dragging uh, Jenny to the table. Like, I'm just like, okay, you, you guys, you guys, you get, you you did that. You you did. I I can't believe that y'all did that. Yeah, exactly. You're like you're sitting there just saying, "I this was a joke. I did this as a joke. You guys are doing this, this, this ironically. This guys, guys, stop. The joke isn't funny anymore. Please, please." So, it's a table full of corpses mixed with people we've already seen, like We, Darla, Heather is somewhere in there. McConaughey just screams in Jenny's ear. Leatherface does these like high pitched screamings. Darla breathes into a bag. We talks to Grandpa, who looks like Benjamin Frank, like a found. He looks like one of the founding fathers. They literally just dug up. It's I. The, <laughs> grand, grand, grandpa looks so old in all of these movies. Crazy enough, this grandpa, this this version of grandpa looks his best. <laughs> He's, he, he looks good for his age. I don't know if he might be like 120, but dude, you, you don't look a day over 70. <laughs> it's like, dude, you remember in the first like in the first one, obviously, that's a classic gotcha. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. my God, he's alive. But like <laughs> the second one, you're just sitting there going like, oh, my God, you look bad. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Like, dude, he looks rough. So Darla's saying some shit about chips in her head that'll blow her head up. They're one of their they're one of those conspiracy thami- uh, families. Leatherface wants to wear Jenny's face. Um, so 
McConaughey gets angry and hits his girlfriend. He hits W.E. with a hammer. And then Grandpa, the founding father guy, he just stands his old ass up and just walks away. It's a random shot. He is just gone. <laughs> I, I loved it. I That shot was amazing. It was utterly amazing. Grand, Grandpa gets up, grabs a knife, and you're like, oh. Grandpa's gonna. Grandpa's gonna get involved. Oh, Grandpa's gonna what's get he gonna some do? shit. What's he gonna? What is he gonna do? Then he just leaves. Just like, we don't see him all right, again. Bye. You're like, you're like bye. I guess. Like, okay. So Jenny again is like, okay, I'm gonna head out. McConaughey's like, no, you're not. And then he lights Heather on fire and just screams, burn, burn, burn. He's saying he's saying this, and then they put the fire out. But then it's weird. We hear a car honk, and then someone driving up in the distance. Because like this doesn't happen in the Texas Chainsaw movies. We haven't we haven't mentioned anything like this happening at someone driving up in a car like this in the dinner scene. And then McConaughey goes to answer the door. And it's the men in black standing at his door. And it is here because I've been with the movie. Like, I've been thinking it's bad up until this point. But it's still I can see, Okay, I can see how someone would look at this and say, oh, it's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Up until here, I was like, yeah, I see that. But then they introduce this secret society subplot and it's here where i'm like this movie jumped the shark and that is for this movie there is absolutely no saving this movie now that you made that that decision it's like i i when see what what was crazy was prior to this when Darla did the like, oh no, they're working for the CIA or like not the CIA. They're working for this group of people who killed the Kennedys and blah, blah, blah. I thought that this was the movie trying to sit there and go, no, no, no. She may look well put together, but she's crazy too. She's just as crazy as the rest of them, but just in a different way. I thought that was the movie trying to be smart. And I was like, I can give you that. I can give you that. That's that seems okay. But no. They fucking followed through on it. When, no, she's right. They are actually working for this person. I was like, you're shitting me. You you were better off just letting her sound crazy. Like, you were better off letting her sound crazy. Like, what the hell is this? Because I feel like if we didn't have this, we would just be like, oh, it's just a bad Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Like, it's just a bad Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. That's it. But because they tried to go this way with it, by trying to add like another subplot about a secret society. You're like, you're getting away from what made Texas Chainsaw, Texas Chainsaw. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. I, it's, it's just, it's just baffling for me. Yeah. It, it's just baffling. So the men in black are talking to McConaughey about his purpose, saying things like, I want these people to know the meaning of horror. He's really beginning to sound like one of those guys from Cabin in the Woods. So, yeah, the the Men in Black guy starts taking his clothes off, and he's got like these weird 
piercing belly button rings and scars and starts licking Jenny for some reason. Mm -hmm. And then I guess, and then I guess they just dip that, 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 (laughs) that's it. It's, it's so weird. It's like, Oh my God. (laughs) Well, I think what makes it weirder is that we never got a sequel. So, I mean, I'm sure we would have gotten a sequel. You know, we, we hope that future movies would have explained, Hey, this is what, this is, who these people are, this is what's happening. But because we don't, it really just sticks out like a sore fucking thumb. And I, mm-hmm. this this is definitely a black eye on the Texas Chainsaw franchise. Oh yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. So after that weird tangent we get for the story, McConaughey is like, okay, fuck this. I'm going to kill Heather. So he he steps on Heather's head and then crushes it. And all we hear is like the sound of the mechanical whirring of his leg. Okay. That's not, that's not bad. But then he cuts himself yeah. like the fucking emo that he is. So yeah. he wails to the sky. Jenny tries to leave while more Leonard Skinner plays. McConaughey tries to grab her. The chainsaw is getting revved. Jenny grabs that control that McConaughey uses to control his leg and causes mm-hmm. him to have like this attack of restless leg syndrome. The Skinner stops for 30 seconds while McConaughey is screaming. Then it starts again and he starts saying, get her leather, get that bitch leather. As Jenny's running, McConaughey is just standing on like the porch screaming while Leatherface is chasing after her and then it's mm-hmm. daytime for some it was just night and then it's day like 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. and then we see then we get geriatric retirees driving this RE <laughs> they're drinking our Texas Chainsaw Bloody Marys because drinking and driving is okay in this movie don't drink and drive guys Jenny tries to stop them Leatherface and drag chases Jenny hops in the RV while Leatherface is chasing. And then Leatherface gets in a truck somehow, like on the back of a truck, who I assume is being driven by McConaughey. Leatherface starts slicing at this, the, the RV. I'm sure these geriatric retirees have no idea what the fuck is going on. They're just trying to, I don't know, go on vacation to Florida or some shit. So mm-hmm. Leather is slicing at the RV. And the RV gets driven off the road and they crash. It's Jenny's fault that she just killed some unassuming retirees. So Jenny climbs out. And we're getting to my one of my favorite parts of this movie, guys. Jenny climbs out. She's getting chased by Leatherface. And we saw earlier, I didn't mention this, but we saw a plane, like a biplane, flying around. It's daytime. It's like we go from the biplane to the RV. The RV scene happens, goes off the road. Jenny gets out. Is being chased by Leatherface. And then she starts getting chased by uh, McConaughey. And for some reason, the biplane comes down and hits Matthew McConaughey and then just flies off. We don't know who's driving this biplane. Was it the government officials? We don't know. We didn't see. The government officials are in a car. 
So who was this was person? It, was it what mentally unhinged person was operating the biplane and just went need to kill his ass? Like, like it's again, this movie has so many inconsistencies. It's hard to nail it down. It's just like it that you could find a way to kill him. You know, maybe Jenny, you know going to keep some praise towards the third movie where um i forget her main i forget her, the main character's name but she had to kill leatherface with a rock after not being able to kill the armadillo earlier so maybe yeah. something like that with this movie but nope nope just oh look a biplane is going to come and save the day that's a literal deus ex machina or deus ex plane i i don't fucking know deus ex plane deus ex <laughs> plane just biplane coming in to save the day <laughs> god damn it so Leatherface is just screaming more and Jenny enters this car with the men in black for some reason. Leatherface watches them drive away and then drag dances around. Then we cut away suddenly back to Jenny and the men in black. The men in black are saying some shit and Jenny's only response is fuck you. And we're at the police station now or whatever location we're at. There's a police mm-hmm. state. Yeah. It's a police station or a hospital. It's somewhere. It's a police so, hospital. A, poli- a police hospital. They're at a police hospital and they're talking to somebody, giving a statement. And then she she's giving this statement, talking about the chainsaw murders. But then someone gets wheeled by. I'm like, oh, who's that? Who could that be? It's Sally from the first movie. They got. Marilyn, I believe it was Marilyn Burns. That's the name of the actress. I think, yeah, it's Marilyn Burns. Yeah. So yeah, so they got Marilyn Burns to to get back in this movie, and just to get slid by. Like I thought she was dead. I thought they killed. I thought they killed her off in the third one, but but continuity in this universe, I guess. What is? Yeah. But what's more shocking is who they got to play the person. Pushing Marilyn Burns. Do you know? Do you know who that was? Is the it order, Marilyn hosp- Manson? Is it Marilyn Manson? No, it's not Marilyn Manson. Um, <laughs> the beautiful is, people. The beautiful people. <laughs> that that would be awesome. No, it's a uh, Paul A. Partain. Which, if you don't know who that is, it's our boy Franklin. <laughs> Franklin! Hell yeah! Well, actually, no, he's not Why a boy. He was, actually, he was very annoying. <laughs> he was annoying in the first oh. one. But I guess he learned how to stand. Now he's working at a hospital. <laughs> you know, who knew Who knew? getting chainsawed in the stomach while, while wheelchair-bound was all you needed to gain to gain uh, use of your legs? Who knew? Who knew? Who, who the fuck knew? And, um, yeah, we cut back to Leatherface, waving the chainsaw around. And yeah, that 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 that's this movie. I really feel like we rushed through it, but because I mean, this movie really sh- tried to stretch out scenes at the very end by just people s- screaming and saying shit that you're like, what? Uh, t- oh, okay, define. <laughs> sure. The, the end. The end of this movie was a mix of like screaming and Jerry Springer moments. Like that's all it was. Yeah, this one was uh a doozy. This one was a doozy. It was 
it was a lot worse than the third one. And again, the only oh, thing easily, saving this yeah. one was Matthew McConaughey. And uh-huh. um, yeah, guys, that does it. Mike, do you do you have it? Do you have any final thoughts? No, this was a bad movie. This was a bad movie. Matthew McConaughey, like, and Renee Renee Zellweger. It's apparent why you guys were the only ones that went forward out of this. <laughs> like, if I'm being super real, like, good lord. Yeah, it. It's just not. It falls into that category of what the uninitiated like what like a casual moviegoer not even casual mm-hmm. moviegoer just like just like your buddy john who's not really into <laughs> movies all that much like yeah he'll go see a marvel movie maybe like he'll go see a you know a bad movie occasionally in theaters he, he doesn't keep up he doesn't keep up with the trade he, he doesn't he doesn't know any better it's not his fault like yeah. if you asked him to like, hey, describe a horror movie, he'd probably describe this exact movie. Yeah, dumb teenagers end up in the woods. There's a crazy group of rednecks. Leatherface tries to kill them. Girl escapes. Matthew McConaughey's there. Like, yeah, all the homeworks are there for like, like that classic half half like baked like story it's it is it's certainly a th- and i'm really i'm really hoping this is the low point like you and i kind of knew last week we we were like when we were coming into this when we were like okay this is this, this is going to be a tough one but i'm really yeah. i'm really hoping that this is the bottom of the barrel and i don't think we're ever going to get to like you know the, the the OG, we're not going to get to like that level of quality, but I really hope we don't dip this low again. Yeah, I I hope so, too. I truly do. I truly do. I hope that I hope that the rest of these movies are just forgettable. And not this bad. Because this was egregious. This was this was pretty bad. It wasn't. It wasn't Bucky Larson bad. It was just like, you know, just like it was just a not good movie that I regret watching. Mm -hmm. It was kind of a pain to get through. It was kind of a pain to get through. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Messed Up at Midnight podcast. Be sure to go follow us on Instagram and uh, Twitter and our YouTube channel. Uh, Mike, do you have anything else you want to say? you should have let sally die in the third movie you bastards just bastards just let it be how dare you rope her into this she deserved better (laughs) all right guys we'll see you next time when we talk i believe what's the next one the remake yeah it's the remake yeah we'll we'll see you next week when we talk about the remake of the texas chainsaw massacre that came out in 2003 let's go early 2000s hell yeah